Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode number 3 of the podcast, What is Culture? My name is Rocco Longarello, and I am very happy to share my conversation with Dave Hansen, Operating Executive at Marlin Equity Partners and Executive Chairman of Tango. So on June 16th, 2017, Marlin, a global investment firm, completed the take private acquisition of Tango. And this was in combination with a Sentinel, which was an existing Marlin portfolio company, to create a global leader of technology lifecycle management solutions. In addition, enterprise software veteran Bob Irwin was appointed to serve as CEO of the newly combined company. This interview with Dave was recorded by coincidence just days after the two-year anniversary of all of these changes. Don't you love when that happens, when, when time lines up like that? So Dave has over 25 years of experience as an executive in the software and IT industries. Um, before joining Marlin in 2015, Dave was the VP and general manager of Dell Software Group, which is a billion-dollar division of Dell Incorporated. And he was responsible for leading the go-to-market strategy and for overseeing a staff of roughly 3,000 employees. When I told my colleagues that I was interviewing Dave for this podcast, many were surprised. They, they were like, really, Dave from Marlin? He's going to be on? Oh my God, that, you know, that's amazing. That's unbelievable. But beyond the surprise and excitement, many of my coworkers admitted they really didn't have a clear understanding of Marlin's involvement with Tango. They reluctantly confessed they weren't exactly sure what it meant to be owned by a private equity firm. And I think it's understandable to have those uncertainties, and I'm pleased to present an episode that addresses many of those questions. So in addition to explaining Marlin's relationship to Tango, including the responsibilities of an operating executive, we cover a lot of ground here. Dave discusses what it was like to publicly announce the acquisition of Tango, why he feels Bob Irwin was and is the perfect CEO for the organization, how he feels we've handled the acquisition of Moby, where he sees Tango in the next five years, and why he believes that culture trumps strategy. So here's my conversation with the very humble and down-to-earth Dave Hansen. Let's all learn from him. Marlin is a private equity company, which is still a fairly nascent uh, new industry. So Marlin's only about 14, 15 years old. Um, but we're one of the fastest private equity growing companies in the U.S. Um, the firm started a very small fund of like $60 million. And now we're up to almost $7 billion under management in that short period of time. So it's a phenomenal growth that we've experienced. Um, I've been with Marlin almost four years, maybe four years in August. Um, and the relationship with Tango is, is an interesting story. There, there's a lot of different threads to it. Um, one of the most interesting ones is that uh, Marlin used to own Rivermine. And uh, not everyone knows that. And, I, and we sold it to IBM years ago, long before I was there. So we've had experience in this space. And then we also had experience um, with owning a Sentinel. Um, and a Sentinel, a much smaller company than Tango. And just one little interesting fact on how Marlin works is we operate out of two funds at all time, plus a European fund. 
But in the U.S., we have a small fund, so it's smaller companies, smaller transactions, and in a large fund. And so a Sentinel was bought in our smaller fund called our Heritage Fund years ago. And so, um, so we've been playing in this space for quite a while and watching Tango specifically and really noticed it's about two and a half years ago where Tango was still a public company um, and having some challenges that we started buying some stock in the market. And um, it got some attention because people started realizing there's us and some other private equity companies starting to do that. So it was starting to lead towards something happening. And um, it's it's almost, Rocco, it, it's, it might be the anniversary today or yesterday. Oh, really? Of when we closed the deal. And so we announced the deal the, the night before Tango Live two years ago in May and then closed the deal right around, I think it's the 16th or 17th um, of June in 2017. So we've been- Oh, wow. Wow, how cool is that? That, that, It is pretty interesting. (laughs) We found the perfect day that was not planned. I love that. I love that. I know, I know. I I was kind of wondering if you actually knew that. No, no. um, But yeah, it's all happened fairly quickly. And so that's a little bit of background on both Marlin and and our history with Tango and the industry of uh, telecom expense management. So as the executive chairman, what what exactly, what responsibilities does that encompass? You know, it's a, it's an interesting role because it can vary greatly in uh, different companies. So I happen to be on five boards, um, some having very similar roles to this one and some not. Um, the, with Tango, um, it was very, going back to those dates is that when we were preparing to buy the company, preparing to close, we were uh, conducting a search for a CEO. And how it works within Marlin is that um, I'm called an operating executive. So my background is I've been a CEO twice, plus I was a CEO intern twice. And so I've, I've done the role and understand what's needed from a management team. And from an executive chair role, the first thing you have to do is make sure you've got the right management team on board. And it really starts to have the right CEO on board. And so we were in the middle of a search for that, from that window of us signing the deal and closing, we were searching aggressively for a, a CEO to be ready when we closed. And that's when we hired Bob Irwin. And so going to the role now, role number one is make sure you got the CEO in place and ready to go. And then helping um, as a partner, and I, Bob and I, the word partner is is probably not strong enough to talk about our relationship and how we work together. Um, and so, going through and interviewing new candidates for executive roles, working on strategy, working on um, even organizational models, all this type of stuff, I work with Bob on. I don't work uh, around Bob; I work with Bob, which is mm. a scenario and. We talk or text or email pretty much daily, um, and so it, it works really well. So sometimes I have an idea I can share with him. Sometimes he comes to me and says, Dave, I'm looking for ideas of how to handle this situation. Have you seen this before? And we kind of brainstorm different scenarios. So um, the role is really to ensure that the company executes on a plan, and, and, and I'm the guy ultimately responsible for the execution from the Marlin point of view, and Bob is obviously 
100% responsible from the Tangle point of view. So that's how this kind of uh, symbiotic relationship exists, Rocco. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but I didn't realize that you were you had that kind of relationship where it was like a daily interaction with Bob, and that that makes sense. But I don't know is that's typically what you how you your experience is with the other companies that you work with, or is this specific and unique to Tango? Um, you know, I think it's it varies. It, it actually yeah, varies. there's some companies um, that they're on a different path or in a different stage in their life. Um, I, like I said, with Bob, I find it's it's more like just kind of checking in um, and, and what's going on, what's happening. It's not so much um, like very little day-to-day -day management, I would say. It's more just bouncing things back and forth um, as we kind of think about what are the next steps in our in our life of Tango uh, and stuff like that. So it, it really varies depending on the relationship um, and the openness and all that. And I, I, I feel so good and, and strong about the relationship I have with Tango and the management team at Tango because we, we talk at any time and, uh, and bounce ideas off each other at, at any, any juncture in, in our history. Cool. So I have a question that I just thought of now. I, would, I bet people would like to hear it. So <laughs> you said you, you're on your search for the right CEO. I wonder what about Bob made you decide that he's the guy? Yeah, that's that's a really great fair question. Um, you know, we looked at a lot of different people, and it kind of leads into I think part of the main topic is that um, Bob and I share a lot of similar philosophies on how companies execute and how what makes them successful, and um, very much grounded in building the right culture and environment for people to succeed. And um, we both take that very, very seriously. So when we first talked, it, it was an immediate bond. And then as we spend more and more time together over the last couple of years, um, we, we think so similarly there. And um, I worked in companies with great cultures and ones with terrible cultures. And it, it is very difficult to evolve. And so there's a lot of people say the words and not do the things it takes to get there. And I just watched, like, I felt that Tango had just incredibly poor communications over the years. Like, I just didn't see any real artifacts where people were really aware of what's going on, what the plan is, and all that. As we, as I talked to, I don't know how many hundreds of employees I've talked to over the last couple of years, I never saw that. And so, what I see now is regularly scheduled discussions with employees, the whole team, on where the product is, where sales is going, how things are performing, from town halls, traveling, and executives getting into different offices. Those are the things that will drive that. And, and Bob, um, I knew he wasn't just speaking to me and telling me the things I wanted to hear uh, because he's gone and executed that. So I think the biggest thing was someone that could come in, be incredibly um, communicative with internally, externally, all different uh, constituents and do that well uh, because I really felt that there's a lot of things deeply rooted in Tango especially with so many acquisitions that you create these pockets of different cultures by office by product and everything and someone had to work towards melding it together into an overarching um, environment and, and I, I really felt Bob could be the guy to do that plus he had years of experience doing CEO gigs and all that that's the easy stuff to kind of validate but in this case it was the, the long-term cultural change needed that I felt 
better than any other candidate I've interviewed. Uh, Bob is the perfect guy for that. Great. It's funny because when I tell people about the executives here, because when my friends, people, family outside of work, when they hear about this project, this podcast and how I got into it, <laughs> and they're like, I can't, you're on a first name basis with the CEO is like kind of funny and crazy to to tell some people. But I tell them it's like when you go into a restaurant, like a really fancy restaurant, and there's that wide open window into the kitchen, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, there's nothing to hide. It's like, we're this, that's how it feels. It's like we we want to share. We have that openness, and we're at we're all kind of in this together. And I I feel that's how I feel about the team, the executive team here. Yeah, it's my experience is there's just been open transparency, good, bad, or indifferent, right? And sometimes that's a shock. Like I remember my first CEO gig. It's kind of funny. Uh, it was in Tampa, Florida, and. First day on the job, did a big town hall. Um, I'm a very open door guy. I even said uh, I literally going to take the door the door off the hinges in my office because it seemed like I was in an isolated area. And I remember uh, driving back to the office with my assistant, and, and she was um, very much against that. <laughs> she thought that was going to create pure chaos. And I sure. said, "Bring it on," you know. And that's what happens. Is you can you have to you can't kind of lead a in an executive role, um, people that are locked in offices and not available to the entire team doesn't, no matter what you say, isn't setting the right example, or the right culture in the company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Dave, you saying culture, I, I have to ask you, what does culture mean to you? You know, it's, um, I've said this a lot is that um, when, I ask people, like, why do you do a job? Well, I like doing this. I like this technology and all that. And I'm like, yeah, I get all that. But I think we all take jobs on to basically provide for our families, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that's number one. Like, and I think people kind of forget about that. So, so if you back into that and say, okay, well, I'm going to work to provide for my family. Then how do I find an environment or a place to work that um, meets those needs, right? As well as... Every day, it's not like uh, I'm going into the coal mine. And we, we'll joke about that some days mm-hmm. when it's a hard day. But if, if that's what it really feels like, it's not so good. And if you don't feel like you have an environment that fosters innovation, um, creates opportunities for people, um, gets the visibility into like bigger and better roles over time, uh, it's a problem. And so culture, it's an overused expression. But we all know, like, if, if um, you go to a place every day and you really feel like it's not a fair work environment, you don't think that the policies are reasonable and all that, it's it just, it's not worth it, you know? And so you have to build that. Now, I'm not trying to build a, like, I, I, when I get into these types of jobs, it's not like, okay, it's going to be a party every day. Uh, it's, it can't be that. But it, it's got to be something that people feel like they're challenged and engaged and that they have a voice. And when you can build that, and I've watched this happen for two years at Tango, getting better and better and better. And so it really excites me to see it. But it's something that if it doesn't happen, um, you end up, people just wait for the next executive team to come in. And, and people just do their jobs every day and hope that the executive team changes and someone better comes along. And if people have that attitude, it's tough. You know, it's just a tough going to work every day. And so, so if the culture isn't established and really evolving into a place where all those checkboxes are there, um, 
then you can really actually destroy value in a business. Right. So I know it was really cool. When I first told you about this podcast, I was on one of the integration calls. I think it was back in February. Yeah. And, and I was re- I was kind of nervous to tell, you know, you and Marlon about this project, uh, you know, again, that open window into our organization. But you were your first your immediate response was just total excitement. And, and I, I it was surprising, and I'm I'm wondering why why do you think that why does this project this podcast kind of excite you? You know, I think it gives people access to viewpoints that are from all different angles. You know, and um, I always felt um, as an employee of many companies over the years, I just wanted to hear from executives and people in different roles to understand the strategy of the company, where people are trying to take it and all that. That was really important to me. And whenever I was in a company that didn't have that, I was frustrated. Um, It made me very frustrated. And because people will say all the right things, but if if they're not engaged from whatever role, from executive, from myself or whatever, or accessible, um, it, it just creates an environment of, of secrecy that there's something going on there's people at the top planning things or doing things that we don't know what it is and what the hell they're trying to do what are they trying to accomplish and that's um, right flying around in private jets and all this kind of stuff starts dating you know and um so when i heard about this project it it really jazzed me because like every company is going to have a unique culture and if you think about all the acquisitions of uh, that uh, Tango has made over the years, they, everyone should be very proud of where they've worked and what they've accomplished in their previous companies. And, and you have to bring a little bit of that culture in. And so by doing something like this, I'm hoping we reach a lot of people and a lot of people listen in and, and realize that we're not trying to destroy culture from like, previous companies and all that, but we're trying to get the best of the best, just like we are trying to get the best of the best for the different technology acquisitions over the years and make it more of a melded integrated product with the right capabilities that our customers need. It's the same thing on culture is that if we can get the best of the cultures from all the different acquisitions over the years, meld that into our new culture, um, add a little bit of stuff that we believe is is missing um, and you can achieve that. So this project to me was something that clearly there was a willingness. Like it, what I like about it is this was happening. I didn't have any influence over it. It was just, I was just told this was happening. And I'm like, that, that's great. It's like no one needed to be told this or anything. It was something that could really help and get people more engaged. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, th- that's so cool to hear. And I, you know, one of the, the gifts of this show, I always say is like you were, you know, like you were discussing is the opportunity to allow people across the organization across the globe, hear from people mm. and hear about what they do. I mean, we we work with thousands of people and we not only do we not know what they do at Tango, we don't know about them as a person. And right. it's just it's an opportunity, not only for myself as the host, but just every time I put an episode out there, people reach out and say, like, how cool it is to hear from somebody in a different country, in a different role. And it's really just another avenue of communication and openness that I'm really happy to provide. Yeah. No, just a little on that. I think what 
what people miss is that you kind of work in a specific office and not everyone in the company travels and all that. We have like a lot of employees all over the globe and very different environments and cultures and uh, social activities, everything. It's different. And so having that exposure and uh, like broadcasting Tango Live, right, is something that I was very keen on when we first started with this whole mission because you can't have all your employees be there. But getting that out to folks and having people be able to hear consistently what our customers are hearing is a phenomenal thing, right? And it just goes over the top on continuing an open dialogue and communication. You can get to the point where it's too much, and I don't, I don't think we're there. Um, but it's just people should be able to hear and know anything that's going on in the company very transparently and, so, and around the world. And so our, our colleagues in China and India and Romania, and it's just, we have people everywhere, all over the U.S. It's like, um, how else can you do that? And the modern technologies, it makes it easier, which is awesome. And things like this where people can listen to it anytime. So it, it really is a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the Tango acquisition of Moby was really a key impetus for this entire podcast. Mm-hmm. So I know you've been really heavily involved with that. So how, how do you feel Tango has handled the acquisition of Moby? I, I honestly could not be happier. I, 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 you can't give something a perfect score. Um, no matter what I say, there'll be contrarian saying, well, this didn't go as well. This didn't go as well. I get all that. I've done acquisitions all my career. And what, when we started this, what a commitment we made at the executive level was um, Tango is known for doing a lot of acquisitions. Here's a really big one, really important, really strategic. Let's all prove to ourselves internally and then externally that we can do this better than we've ever done before. And, and that was the mission. That was really the mission. And uh, getting Patterson to lead the integration team was, I think, a great idea. Getting an integration team that spanned all the different functional areas and not necessarily direct reports to Bob that we're working on this really hard and really just the commitment and dedication as we went through initially weekly calls um, with myself and some of my other colleagues at Marlin. I, I just play back in my mind years and years of doing acquisitions and screwing many of them up and, and hearing uh, the whole total opposite of how people are just so committed and dedicated. And these were folks from Moby. These were folks from Tango. There was a, a whole cross section of people and roles, responsibilities in, in different locations. And so, um, like I said, nothing is perfect without a doubt, but um, the team executed here so well, and there's still lots to do. Don't get me wrong, but um, it was such a strategic deal for us. And having now really the leader on the mobile um and the MMS side is is really going to be game changing for us long term. So it was just so critically important that we execute well. And um, boy, I just was thrilled when I got on those calls and, and enjoyed them. Every single one I was on, I enjoyed. You know, say about conference calls, just because you heard it in people's voices, you saw it on, on video calls and stuff where people were so engaged, and that that was impressive. And then we're still going to do. Little prolong now uh, integration calls that kind of check in um, as we keep moving. But the heavy, heavy lifting stuff was really all accomplished, and in really six to six to eight months, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, and and that's that's how I feel when I meet people here, and 
when I interview them or just meet them in person when I'm visiting offices, it seriously feels like we have the best people <laughs> in the world working for us. Like it's like it's unbelievable the caliber of people that we have. It really is, and it, it's like um, you know, in any company you have. I think there's three classifications of where people's mind is, and, and you have like some percentage that are all in. You have some percentage sitting on the fence, and you have some percentages that don't want to work here. Like that's mm-hmm. every company has that, and ideally you want to have the maximum number in that first category. Right? <laughs> yeah, but that's how you, I think of things. And there's some people that you, you can never kind of get over that hurdle um, because they don't believe. They just don't believe you're on the right strategy. They don't believe you have the right team in place. You don't have the right management in place. All those things, and and in some cases they might be right. <laughs> you know, and, and and we have to take. Uh, good look at ourselves and that's why I'm, I'm glad we've been doing more surveys like employee sat surveys and um, I, I want to do those fairly regularly because I just want to constantly hear from people and we do like there's so many avenues for people to email anybody including myself as well as ask Bob and all these different ways to communicate if they see something needs to be improved or whatever but I do think you're right Rocco is that I've met so many great people in this company it's phenomenal and um and i i feel and this is more anecdotal than a feeling and i have the real evidence but i just feel like people are getting more excited that there's clarity in our direction in our path um like the sad reality is two and a half years ago there was not a good path like something drastic had to change or things would not be very good at all so there's been I admit over the last two years, a lot of change and disruption and all that, which is in some cases very unfortunate because some people lost jobs in that, but where the company was and the structure and the operating model, um, the future didn't look right. And now it looks fantastic. And it's very exciting uh, to be a Tango right now. Yeah. So it's been, what was in December that the acquisition was announced. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, what initiatives have been put in place to, you know, I guess, continuously or ongoing to ensure successful integration with Moby? Yeah, I think the, the first step really is defining that team that was defined, you know, and and having a very detailed planning and, and project plan for the execution of the integration. Um, and if people want to see it, it's available, people can share it. It's it's. It's incredibly detailed and even dashboard so that when we have those weekly calls, as you know, like the first thing is to go over the dashboard and like the things that matter, like we're okay. Employee uh, attrition. Are we losing employees? Right. Like that, that's, it's kind of a funny metric that people always don't believe that that is, but it's one of the first graphics on that chart is that we don't want to lose employees, right? We don't want to do an acquisition and people don't like, the new company and we lose valuable team members. So uh, employee attrition was a huge one. Customer attrition is a huge one and customer migration is huge. So that those are looking at trying to get all our MMS clients over to Mobi is an, a massive initiative right now. And it, it's it's key and critical. And it's very interesting. I've sat down, I think a lot of sat down with many customers that were um, actually we're in a RFP process for MMS solutions before the acquisition. 
and there's coming down between Tangle and Moby. And so no matter what they chose, it ended up being okay because they're still going to get Moby. But it's, it was a very interesting conversation to hear, and, and people were pleased that we did that. So tracking uh, customer migrations over to Moby is going to be really, really critical. Um, there's a lot of systems type stuff that is critical. Like the, the NetSuite implementation at Moby was very good. Um, we were able to get some benefit from that on our NetSuite implementation. So those things happen, the integration of like Salesforce and ordering systems and all that um, really went well. So it, it, there was a great dashboard that was managed that would track those initiatives to make sure they we executed on them. And now that's rolling into, uh, we have board meetings every quarter. So if you think about those meetings were weekly and then we have monthly reviews with executives and then we have quarterly board meetings, those metrics are now rolling into those those three different scenarios and especially into our board packages going forward. Was Tangle, that wasn't your first time at Tangle Live, was it? Were you there last year as well? It's my third year. Third year? Yeah, so the, the strangest thing, that's a, that's a great question. Um, we announced the acquisition in May of 2017, the night before Tango Live. And we were working through the night to get it done so that uh, Jim Foy was the CEO at the time so that Jim and I could be on stage first thing in the morning announcing the acquisition and being able to address it right then and there in front of our customers. Because there's a lot of rumors going on. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, so I've actually, the few people that have been at Three Tango Lives uh, from the executive team. So um, it was great because I, I, I've seen this, the continuity. Now, Bob was already in the wings waiting to come on board, but he wasn't going to start until we closed the deal. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I've seen an amazing journey at Tango Live over the last three uh, customers going, what is happening at Tango? What's going to happen? Um, they've been delisted. What's going on? Why is it getting bought? All that stuff. So, like, those weren't any of the questions I had this year, which was great. It was more about where we're going. It's all about where we're going now and what we're doing to accomplish that versus any of the kind of noise that was in the market uh, just over two years ago. Yeah. So as we as we continued on this path to kind of nurture and improve our culture, what what challenges do you think Tango will face as on our path to doing that? Um, I, I think it's just people are deeply rooted in their backgrounds and cultures of the companies that they were at from before. Mm. And we've been so clear. I, I remember from the first town hall that Bob and I did for all employees almost two years ago today, where um, people worry, right, is that if I'm on platform A, and platform A is going to go away over time, um, my future doesn't look right. And, and Bob and I were crystal clear that um, anyone who wants to move to the new technologies, the new platforms and work on those things and is gaining skills and, and has ambition to do that, that, that's the right way to think about it. And so the, the thing that could hurt us is that people just are going to be defensive. It, it, the right answer long term is that Tango has a couple, two, three, four platforms, not 18, 19, 20, right? And, and nobody logically would disagree with that statement, but it's hard. It's hard and it means change. And so if people don't see that vision and don't agree with that vision, then it's hard for them to get on board with being excited about where we're going. But 
it's inevitable. Like it's the best thing that can ever happen to our company. We probably have roughly, we'll have roughly the same number of employees. We would have double the customers and probably double the size of the company and the clarity for our go-to-market teams and our support teams and our service delivery teams, development teams that wake up every day knowing that they're working on the, a simple number of things to make us better and better is, is what has to happen. It just has to happen. And so that's the thing I, I worry the most that people struggle with. And, and I understand that, but it's something that, um, like both Bob and I said, is that people that want to go work on the new stuff, put your hand up, get the skills, get the training, and let's go. And so that's what we have to be careful of, Rocco. Mm-hmm. Where do you see Tango in, let's say, the next five years? You know, um, I, I would say there's a few big things that we need to accomplish. Um, if you just paint the picture of our product portfolio, is that fixed telecom expense will continue for a long time. It's complicated. It's hard. The big companies have to have to manage it. I, and nothing is evolving that you see that's going to make it easier from the carriers and for these customers. So that part of the business is going to be strong and continue to perform strong. Mobile, great. Like that's just going to go continue through the roof. And and same thing. It's not going to get any easier for customers to manage. Excited about that. And the third thing is cloud expense management, which is something that um, we are we've kind of been testing the waters on. And and now we as private equity companies will see things going on in the industry, and we're starting to see a lot of people start testing the water here as well and doing more and more. And that's an area where I think it's critical. Um, and, and we have some good customers using our technologies for cloud expense now, and we now have to just push hard on that. So if I, if I look at Tango from a outside looking in five years from now, we, we absolutely can be the leader in those three spaces, easily be the leader in those three spaces. So that's where I see Tango now, but I also see us growing like crazy. So like right now, we've been really tightening things up to make the company execute more efficiently and all that. And I think we're poised this year to start really breaking out from booking new deals with customers as well as expanding into our installed base as we get the product portfolio um, more uh, cleaner and more straightforward. And so, um, in five years, this this company is going to be double the size. I I I just can't see how it wouldn't be. Like the opportunity is so big in the market, and and we can organically and inorganically, we're not we're not scared of doing more acquisitions either. And I think we it was so nice to prove out how well we can do it with Moby. Um, initially, there was so much going on in the company and so much change, it would been scary to do something. Now I think we've set the stage and, and proved the capability. And we can go do more acquisitions. So I think uh, over the years, one one acquisition a year would be smart of us to do to also um, bring on more new talent and more specialized talent in certain areas, as well as customers um, and technology that can help us drive uh, that goal faster. So I, I see nothing but good news going forward for Tango over the next five years. Yeah. So it sounds like you're an integration specialist in some way. Do you have any advice for how to integrate my daughter more smoothly into my life? Because that's been kind of a challenge. Oh, um, yeah, I, I have one. Uh, 
Rocco. And so, <laughs> um, and there's always those challenges. Now he's 24 and uh, pretty close to being off the payroll. I still get a few bills and I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> okay, so I'm almost there. So I'm actually trying to disintegrate a little. Disintegrate, bit. yes. This point, <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure I'm going to help you on that one. <laughs> so what I get, we're getting towards the end of the time here, and I I appreciate it. But I, I want to give you an opportunity, just considering the whole premise of the show and the path and the journey to discovering our culture. Is there anything else around the topic of culture that you you kind of wanted to to share with our our listeners before we say goodbye? Yeah, I, I um. I'm going to steal a quote from somebody and they probably stole it from somebody else. But um, when I was working for CA or computer associates back in the day, um, very big complex company, a lot of acquisitions, tons, probably more than anyone in, in the, that industry at that time. And um, we got a new CEO in and he really, really got us to focus on strategy and culture. And, um, his challenge was is that you could make the best strategy in the world, um, but culture eats strategy for lunch was his expression. And it's very true is that if you build a strategy for execution and it's great, but you don't have the team on board and the team is not um, don't, doesn't like the environment or the culture isn't conducive for people to execute that strategy, it will never, ever, ever work. Mm. And I've seen that a little bit at, at Tango over my, my journey here. And I think that we've been trying to tighten up our product strategy and we've, we've pivoted a couple of times. And now and in my conversations with a lot of people internally and externally, um, I think we're, our strategy is best suited for our company at this point in time. And I think people are really getting their heads around it. There was a lot of doubt and uncertainty in the first year, and um, now I think it's clear. And I think that that expression to me is is a, is a really critical one. Is that if you don't build the, it's a it's a balance of building the right culture and environment for folks, so that you can then get everyone on board to execute the strategy that you want. And that's really, I think, the key. Uh, crux of, of making this work within Tango. And I'm seeing it. I, I'm watching it evolve. It's, it, it's phenomenal. So it's an exciting time to be here. And if we don't do stuff like this, it'll, it, it won't work, you know? So doing things and, and making very specific efforts to improve the culture and the company. And it's not, a, it's not an overnight thing. In two years, it's been phenomenal how far we've come. Some people think it's like, okay, by next Friday, let's evolve the culture. That's not <laughs> Right, and so it's 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 ne and it's never there. It's never it never gets perfect, but boy, we're we're on the right path, and, and and I can't be more proud of our team and and excited at how much has been accomplished so far. So that was amazing. Like I said in the introduction, we really covered a lot of ground, and hopefully, I asked the questions that those listening wanted to hear answered. It really was a privilege to have you on the show, Dave. So thank you so much for supporting this podcast and, and for being just a wonderful interview. I wasn't surprised when you shared how in your first job as CEO, 
You literally took the door to your office off of its hinges. Talk about an open door policy. I, I love that. Um, but honestly, I was a bit anxious about this interview, but I couldn't be happier with the result. And I feel like this episode is a must listen for all of us at Tango. So to those listening right now, please encourage your coworkers, especially those who haven't yet given the show a try, to listen to this episode with Dave Hansen. Perhaps it will shed more light into the importance of culture as well as the true goal of this project. Might sound a bit corny for me to say, but really, this podcast is a gift to those willing to receive it, and I am just the delivery truck driver. Thanks again, Dave. It meant a lot to me. If you'd like to be a guest on this show, I'd love to have you. Send me an email at rocco.lungarello at tango.com and we'll set up a time. And remember, to read more about this podcast, visit our companion blog series, which you can find at tango.com slash blog. Until next time.